August 16, 2021. It's Watt for Pedro Show. <laughs>
Lock for Pedro Show. Happy Monday. Start off with John Coltrane, live at Colombian Latour, Belgium, August 1st, 1965, tune called Vigil. And then Chris Corsano after that with How Should You Pick Up the Ball and Throw It? I guess there should be a question mark there. Doesn't sound so declarative. There, there was that mess up your file. Um, Not you if know. you got a Mac. Not if you got a Mac. So anyway, uh, people, you can tell that I am not man alone. Brother Matt still at the love God on the pleasure point. But because those Estonian software engineers were their Skype invention, I got Brother Chris Corsano. Welcome aboard, Chris. Thank you. And where are you speaking to me from? Ithaca, New York. Ah! Uh, Cornell, uh, Mr. Sagan. Billions Indeed. Billions. billions. You know, I just had a cat on last week from Ithaca. Travis, yeah, I know. Right, um, right. He's a teacher at the school, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. It's a it's a small world up here. Uh, my wife teaches at uh, there too, and um, yeah. And also, so, I've been playing uh, some stuff from a band there called the Plaster Man. So uh, yeah, p- uh, people uh, kind of upstate or western New York. I don't know what the fuck you call it, but it's it gets a big time winter. I know that a big time sweaty summer too. You get be- best of both worlds. I lived because my pop was getting trained for nuclear engine room uh, in Schenectady. Well, it was actually Boston Spa near Schenectady. The GE had a nuclear plant, so a little bit I spent there between uh, stints in Virginia before I came to Pedro. But enough about what. Let's get into fucking brother Chris and his journey through music. Please, Chris, bring your earliest musical recollection. Uh, the, the family, you know, record player. Um, I think my sister gave it to me. Um, uh, Devo's Freedom of Choice. Uh, that's Older playing that sister? and just staring at the cover and the, the inner sleeve that had the, um, you could send away for like a Devo suit or a hat or, you know, it was all pretty fascinating to, I guess I was in kindergarten or something. Older sister? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, half sister. I got a half sister and a half brother who are like figure pretty heavily in, in me no. turning out the way I Chris, the reason I bring that up, because, you know, I've been doing five shows a week since November. So a lot of people, and especially with this, uh, experimental stuff it seems a lot of them are younger siblings hmm. yeah it's a trip wow it's, maybe it's just a statistical anomaly or whatever the fuck anyway uh <laughs> uh so so it was a devo record is your earliest memory now in this pat where, where was this pat uh new jersey okay. uh northern northern jersey yeah like tiny california it's flipped the other way mm-hmm. looking at the license <laughs> plates i was garden state yeah Kind of like Golden State, both G's. But but the, you got jug handles when you make the fucking port turns. Yeah, a little different. You go starboard first, people. It's trippy how they work. Actually, it's a very fucking uh, rural state. People, because of the Newark thing right across from the, the river, and so they think all New Jersey's like. Uh, was there musical instruments in that pad you grew up in? Um, my brother uh, is a drummer, and uh, he's, he's the oldest. So, yeah, his... His kit was around um, at times if he he might be grabbing, you know, his old kit and whatever. But, yeah, I definitely remember tapping on his kit um, and and being into it and not knowing how it worked at all. I'm I'm sensing a connection. Yeah. (laughs) Now, uh, can you remember uh, the first record you bought with your own money? 
Not a gift from your uh, sister. No Devo merchandise. Yeah. Thing. Well, what it was. Uh, I, this is to to the younger listeners of your show. Uh, it's it's going to be maybe worth explaining that like they used to have these ads in the back of uh, like the magazine that came with the Sunday paper, right? And it'd be like buy twelve cassettes for a penny, you know. And then they would they'd be selling their lost leaders, you know, major record labels or whatever. Columbia and then they'd Music hook you Club, into something. Columbia Record Club, something like that. I did the same thing with eight yeah. tracks. <laughs> Oh, awesome. Yeah, my, my time was the cassette time in the early 80s. And I think I so my the first record tapes I bought was probably like like 12 at once. And I I'm pretty sure Hendrix smash hits was in that oh, that great. bunch. Yeah, um, right. That if was you probably didn't, the if you didn't send them back. You had to buy it. Right. That maybe I, I may have done the one that was like you actually had to pay a dollar and you could keep them and they you could like avoid their credit destroying uh, Ponzi scheme that they were doing. But uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, what about first gig you saw? Um, that was uh, this kid that I went to school with took uh, some of his friends to see uh, David Lee Roth, probably like Meadowlands, some some giant insane spot to be my first gig. But I guess a lot of people might have that experience that like the first show is some arena. Might have been and Billy it was, Sheehan um, on bass from Buffalo. Sorry, say that again? Billy Sheehan on bass from Buffalo. Oh, all right. Maybe if I remember uh, the first, and Steve Vai might have been his guitar man. I, I remember the first tour he did by himself. Uh, Okay, let me ask you about school. Were you in the choir, the marching band or shit like that? No. Uh, I got a drum set of my own in in uh, eighth grade, and I started playing with kids from school, you know, but uh, more in high school, but nothing through school proper. Now you're talking the garage band, basement band, bedroom band. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that kit. Now you've heard trap set, right? Mm-hmm. You know what that word means, right? Yeah. Contraption. Exactly. Okay, you know. Everybody I ask don't know. So thank you, Mr. Chris Corsano. But was it totally your brother or did you get your own? What other incline? Did you, let me say, you said you jumped on his kit, but did you ever get on the pots and pans like Elvin Jones? Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> you know, different drummer, right? That half hour documentary he talks about it, and his sister helped him with the And his paper route to get a set. How did you get your set? Um, I think my brother had grabbed his old set and um, so it wasn't in the house anymore. And then I probably begged and, and pleaded with my folks. And Tony, I mean, my bro older brother, he's a great drummer. He actually was in uh, the 90s era James Chance and the Contortions. Oh, so, wow. you know, I saw yeah, the, he's, uh, he's, I, I saw the early 80s version. Oh, wow. They played wow. the other mask. And uh, yeah, the singer liked to fight with the crowd. In <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the 90s. James Chance was more on stage, so I would check out shows and I never never got in a fight with anybody, which is good. Yeah, it was for me. I mean, it was. Uh, I, I, Pat Place was on the show a few months ago, to, I, th I think doing guitar for him and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, slide and stuff. Okay, so your brother, okay, into this. So he was your gateway drug. Absolutely, yeah. I really, I think, looked up to my siblings just in in general. Um, I thought they were awesome. So what they did, I wanted to do, and and the drums was definitely me following in his his footsteps. Now, with your buddies from school, what was the material? Were you, like me and D Boom, for example, we try to copy songs, you know, Blowish to Coat, Creedence off records. Mm -hmm. Were you guys doing that, or were you trying to write your own stuff? 
we were copying you, actually. Um, <laughs> my first band, the thing that united us was uh, Minutemen Firehose. Georgie. Uh, George Hurley. Yeah. Oh, my God. I got to Huge play with him 14 years. Beautiful man. And I'm, I'm about to do a fifth uh, Unknown Instructors record with him. Joe Biza, Jay Maskus on the guitar, uh, Dan Whoa. McGuire from Toledo on the poems. Yeah. So, Okay. That that's very kind of you. <laughs> oh so, man, I I, can't, I learned how to play drums from I mean, a, a, along with uh, Mitch Mitchell, Cop and George's everything, just loud. like trying you know, to get the triplets. There's an interview where Jimi Hendrix goes, "Mitch Mitchell's my Elvin Jones." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and you totally hear it in well now I do because from listening to Elvin a lot. If I go back because I heard Mitch Mitchell first. And now everything I hear Mitch do, it's like, well, that's that lick from Elvin, who might be doing a Max Roach thing, but making it an Elvin thing. You know, you just you kind of see it go like Time Machine all the way back. Well, I think for um, them England guys, we got to give a lot of credit to Ginger Baker. Because the England guys were really learning the blues. But I think Ginger said, you know, rock and roll blues, but it's kind of a mule. So bring in some jazz, too. And mm. I think Cream had a big... I know whenever you say trio, people say Rush, but Cream was... I know Jimmy put together his band before Rush, I think, maybe a little before. And it was after seeing Cream, right? Yeah, but Mitch, you know, Mitchell was doing, like, jazz, like, kind of session work, I think, if I read correctly. Like, so him him being aware of Elvin's every move makes sense to me, you know, oh, yeah, just yeah, historic. Yeah. Well, 67, we lose... John Coltrane, you know, and that's around the time when uh, Cream God, they're only around a year or two, right? That band really wasn't that short, but I think uh, Ginger, I mean, yeah, he had some personality problems, but (laughs) he did bring in a lot of jazzy stuff, and then for sure Mitch Mitchell went, you know, whenever he played, like, stand next to your, I'm going to show you everything I know up to this point, right? (laughs) It was beautiful, beautiful that way. You, You sent me this thing called The Rat from Vampire Camp. Yeah. I want to play it.
Yeah. 
Watch for Pedro Show. Start that chunk of music off with Vampire Cant, the rat. Cant like a canner, like a song. Kind of tunnel. Like, uh, well, I, you'd have to ask. Uh, oh, that's another of my formatting problems. Like, with that's like cannot with the apostrophe. But oh, it's a contraction. Wanna, yeah. It's a contraction. Yeah. Okay. Watson Learner forever. <laughs> okay. Then we have Bronze Age UFO from Baltimore with their. Part B2, Lagoon Monster, Rubber Mask, Volume 2. Ray Shin after that brand new, You Ruined My Breakfast. Sam Lockward featuring Grace Lockward, his wife. Iowa City, a sound beaten. Bob Buckle Jr. from nearby Dubuque. My arteries, who I am. Bombas Prendon from the D.C. area, the charm of imperfection. Wharton Tears, great drummer man. And had a beautiful studio, fun city in Manhattan. Great Awakening. Uh, Chris Cones, uh, his project, How I Quit Crack, I think it's with his wife, Eugenia Side, like a town, the college town in Oregon. I think Zudhorn Rolo lives there. Uh, hmm. Virginia, Genta, and Chris Corzano with an excerpt from an unreleased track. In fact, as far as Watt's concerned, a name track, <laughs> a known track. Yeah. Okay, so okay. Uh, what about instruction? Did you are you total autodidact with the drum? Um, well, my brother gave me some exercises. You know, wrote these things down um, that I think he got off of taking a lesson with Barry Altrell, uh, who played with like Sam Rivers and sure. all sorts of people. Got to see some Raymond uh, Pettibone. Saw, uh, took me to see Sam Rivers in Hollywood. Ooh. Yeah, years ago. Wow. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. It's like we see, it was a club on Cahuenga called Catalina. We saw buttloads of people there. But, uh, okay, so we got a lesson from them. So, and in a way, that and kind of biosis tra transferred on to you. But uh, I didn't, I was terrible at, at practicing. So I, I kind of, you know, and then I had lessons for like three months with somebody, just, you know, like a local guy. But I was, I, I didn't have my, my thing together. Um, it didn't, it, th things didn't sort of gel until later on for me for actually like being obsessed with it, putting in all the time that, you know, like it just was the thing that I had to be doing. So, so the learning was by doing. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you like, joined uh, a lot of bands, right? Yeah. Just try to play with people as much. And then, you know, learning by kind of watching them like in high school, the, the people I was playing with, one of them especially was kind of like he could just pick anything up, um, guitar, drums, bass, and like skating too. Like whatever we did, he just kind of was amazing at it. I think he's like a nuclear physicist now, so there you go. Like, uh, <laughs> it, um, And I was always felt like I was, you know, eating his dust and just trying to hang on. But playing with somebody who's like that, you you learn a lot yeah. just by – I mean, the other. What's the other way, Chris? You get a bunch of fucking cats who can't play, so you look good, and then nobody learns anything, <laughs> right? I mean, that's such an ego stroke. I think you went and, uh, by going the further mile and maybe eating a little dust or playing a little caboose rock. Fuck, it was yeah. a smart move, brother. Yeah, I am. I am always the caboose. I feel like <laughs> I, I don't. That's all right. It's, somebody's got to be there. Ah, come on. Biggest mistake Minutemen did was putting Georgie in the back, man. He should be in the, the last 20 years. I've always had my drummers at the front of the stage. 
because come on, especially with rhythm music, why be in denial? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So well, I I caught you guys, uh, Firehose. That is it. I guess it was Irving Plaza on the uh, Forty Eight State Cudabake tour, oh, yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah. I could see him just fine. You know, I was watching every every move, every hair flip that he was doing. Uh, the um, unit. We call that the unit. <laughs> you get it twirling, right? Like a helicopter plane. Totally. So totally. What, what about, uh, yeah, but uh, instead of Caboose Rock, did you ever think about starting your own bands way back then? Um, you Start my own, you mean like myself that I was... The drummer like, as or, a band leader. The drummer as a composer. Oh. Why not? Yeah, I mean, it was always, to me, I never felt like I was in, well you know, geographically in the back, but it always felt like collective style, you know, like I would maybe write some sort of guitar part or a drum thing or whatever, you know, you just kind of always mixing it up. So it never felt like um, that hierarchy oh, that uh, maybe is other people think about, but I didn't feel it. No, I think that's one of the, one of the big successes of the movement was trying to destroy that hierarchy shit. See, mm. people don't realize when everybody's starting, you're all on a play. Uh, you know, I mean, like a lot of the people in the movement, you're on a level playing field. So you don't have to, you know, fall into that hierarchy so easy unless you fucking want to, you know, so you can lord over people or, <laughs> or be lorded over. <laughs> but uh, so, so, OK, so even from the early moments, you were into the collective kind of let's dream by committee trip. Yeah, definitely. OK, OK. And uh you think a lot of your learning came from doing? Did you get into this like, uh, like I'm going to study records, right? Like, for example, George Hurley, he taught himself drums with two records. Uh, my generation, no, no, what's it called? Uh, not my generation, the the one before. Can't explain, you know. It's got a uh, quick one and shit. The Who first mm -hmm. record, and then he got yeah. uh, Billy Cobham, the Spectrum. And those two oh, records wow. with headphones, that's how he taught himself drums. It's kind of, and he is, he took both of those things and kind of made a Frankenstein, beautiful Frankenstein monster out of them. <laughs> I hear it. Yeah. Now, what about you? Um, started on records and then uh, to, to jump ahead to the more like figuring out improvising type stuff. That was, uh, I was working door um, for, for uh, somebody who was doing shows in Western Mass when I was living there. Uh, and the sort of Byron Coley actually hooked me up with this oh, guy, wow. Michael Ayler. He was on the show Saturday. I just, I had just was, uh, li just started listening to it before we, uh, this call. So yeah, I can't wait to check out Byron's. Uh, that's going to be amazing. I'm sure. Yeah. He's a great spiel. Great cat. Great, great. I love that. Man. Okay. So you, you actually being a doorman, you were learning shit. That's great. Yeah. And then I worked for Byron, like, because uh, of where I was going at school. Like, I went up to Massachusetts for college, and uh, I had interned at a record label for just one summer in Jersey. And it just happened to be this guy, Glenn Morrow, who knew Byron from the 70s. He asked me, Where are you going to school? This, you know, because I was leaving. And he's like, Oh, I'm going to Massachusetts. He's like, I've got the best hookup for you ever. And then learning at Byron's feet. Byron just playing like, oh, you like Ornette Coleman? Check out Archie Shep, you know. And then, so Byron was like hipping me to all these records, which Billy, I don't know Billy if Billy Higgins, I, Billy Higgins. I told oh, Tom Pettibone brought me to a gig where Billy was playing, 
And man, it was like my gig. I mean, I was like one table away and he stared at me the whole fucking gig. <laughs> <laughs> there was no like that shit. I want to turn the tables and ask you about playing with Charlie Hayden. Like, what is that like as a basis to be up there with, with Charlie Hayden? Oh, you mean with the Minuteman? Yeah, he came in, little man with a Well, I tell you, he had a 200-year-old French bass with no amp. So we had to get tiny. <laughs> I've I've seen the video, you know, uh, YouTube, and uh, it's it's great. Well, I just, we had you know, to get like kind of tiny. We had to get really tiny. <laughs> <laughs> but man, the man was such an uh, inspiring cat. Love him, man. Love him. Look, we're at the end of the first hour, August 16, twenty twenty-one edition. What Peter show? Special guest Chris Corsano. Hold that fire, too. August 16, 2021, it's the second hour of Watt from Pedro Show.
Life for Pedro Show. Start off the second hour with cinematic coupling of Acorn. Live excerpt, Kira Cicada with Chris Corsano. I got to do a gig with him and Mr. O'Rourke in Tokyo. And, uh, very interesting man. He also uh, makes uh, documentaries and stuff. Incredible. Cat. Yeah, microbiologist. He's right. He's amazing in, you know, in so many different ways. Yeah, he's got a lot going on. Right, right. And uh, what, what, was this over there, this recording? It was, okay. yeah. Okay. Then we had Leaf Blower. Which is uh, Kel from uh, Galaxy's Side Prod, Solstice Flight. Louis, Louis Fang, she's uh, the pipa. It's kind of a China guitar or lute. Uh, Yi Dance, King Woman with Burn. And finally, uh, Chris Cosano with Bill Orcutt, uh, Distance of Sleep. What's that about? Um, you'd have to ask. Bill, he came up with the titles. So. <laughs> okay. Well, well, how'd the proj come about or whatever? You, you, oh, you weren't a total pro, hostage, pro, right? <laughs> yeah. We've been playing together for a while, and then that one was, was uh, mid, or yeah, it was in COVID time. So that one was kind of, I recorded the drum part, sent it to him, and he, he did his thing over it, trying to make it sound like it, it wasn't done that way. But um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because at the end of the day, it's stuff coming out of speakers. So, you know, whatever. Right. But I'm, I'm glad you, yeah. Because so you, we can use the internet besides uh, spreading bullshit and lies. We can actually trade music and <laughs> make tunes. That's interesting. So, uh, you know, but to back it up a little bit and stuff, uh, improvised music. Is that, is that via your brother too, or is it? Because we, we got to let the people know. I mean, when I had Byron on the show a couple of days ago, it was more about oh, I write record reviews. But actually, he's also a record collector, right? I mean, billions of records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So billions and ex- billions. Right, like Mr. Sagan, right? But that helped expand your universe, audio universe, right? Oh, yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be here talking to you if it weren't for Byron. Um, and yeah, I worked for him a bunch of years and Lily too, uh, his partner just, so I was like living in the area and I was at their house all the time. And Byron is always hipping me to stuff and Lily in her office had things and, um, a lot of lightning Hopkins listen, I'd listen to it. Yeah. Just all different kinds lightning of stuff. Hopkins. And, and Byron, lightning yeah. Lightning Hopkins. Hopkins. Yeah. Lily's a big light. Blues on yeah, Houston. Blues on the acoustic guitar. A lot of lead. Uh, ZZ Top comes out of Hopkins. <laughs> Frank Beard. I, I got to meet him. Nice, nice man. Ah, uh, nice. Yeah. And for those days, man, little four-piece drum set, you didn't see those in arena rock much. <laughs> right. Maybe Charlie Watts. <laughs> right. Minimalist. Yeah. But it, it don't matter, right, if you're the heartbeat. Thank you, Earl Palmer. Thank you, Earl Palmer. So being exposed to all this stuff really helped shape your uh, uh, consciousness regarding what it, what you're going to do with the sticks in your hand, the beat man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And uh, who, who do you think? You think Mitch Mitchell was most profound? In the beginning, I think now it's like uh, you can 
look back through time or, you know, seeing everything that I heard in Mitch, also in uh, Drumbo, Captain Beefheart was big for John me. French. And then, um, then George, Hurley, then... What, what like, about the other the, cat, uh, Art uh, Trip? Oh, uh, from Be- uh, Magic Band? Yeah. Or... Yeah, I mean, uh, I think uh, Trout Mask was the thing that got burned, you know, so heavily on my brain from multiple uh, listens. Um, but yeah, actually, all of all of Beefheart stuff, just a way of, and it, you know, like the more I think about it, it's not just the drummer; it's how the drummer and the bassist interact and how it fits everybody together. Like it is the collective thing. Um, so it's more the relation between elements than just you know, this person's real tech or whatever, like, I think that that's kind of the thing that comes through all of it, you know? You know what? I think that's really fundamental and really important. That's great, great. Because I think people get hung up on the stuff that ain't really core. What you're talking about is what makes that music timeless, I think. Yeah, and any anything that we're, you know, it could be Motown or it could be like a, Charlie Hayden and Billy Higgins or Ed Blackwell, like the way that Motown, the, the, you James Jameson, yeah. Benny Benjamin. Absolutely. Right? They got a right? hole in the cardboard. <laughs> They're a hole in the cardboard. Oh, fuck. That's so bitching. And when, when, when I came up with that idea for that project with Pettibone Socktite, that's what I was, I was thinking of Jackie too. Uh, Leipzig, uh, the can cat oh. who invented yeah. kind of a German funk, right? In a trip. Look, you gave me this music here. Salvaged, Mr. Rasmussen, Flaherty, Corsant. Yep. Yeah, let's listen.
Thank、you
Watch for Pedro Show. That chunk of music started off with salvaged Rasmussen, Flaherty, Corsano. If Biwana, this is uh, Al Margolis out of Chester, New York, screwed it up again from his radio slaves. Everybody has little short songs. Uh, the Monkey Town Milk Spillers with Can You Blame That Girl? Uh, Pet Bottle Ninjin with Peacock Spider. Uh, Takao Ito with Shizukana Ongaku Ninata. And then finally, Flower Corsano Duo. An excerpt from the river that turned into a raging fire. That makes me think of a Cayuga, uh, the, the, the one that goes through Cleveland, right? It actually in the seventies caught fire. Oh yeah, so fucking polluted, yeah. right? Crime it. Right, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, the Temptations lyric, you know, the the. Oh song yeah, has, yeah, yeah, absolute. Uh, but you know, they were maybe um, saw into the future and and, and caught that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, but, but tell me about the salvage, the one we start that block off with. Uh, that's a meta Rasmussen. Um, uh, wow, you got all little there. Oh, sorry, I'm back. Uh, that, that's no, no, no. Something happened with your voice, and it's all tiny ass now. Uh, I, I think I moved away from my. Uh, Get closer. My phone. Not now. That's yeah, right. I'm. I'm back. Okay. Um, so meta Rasmussen, uh, alto player. Uh, from Denmark, lives in Norway, and uh, Paul Flaherty from Connecticut, who I've played with since uh, 99 or something, and met him maybe since like 2012. So that was the first time that I got the two of them together, and they're like two horn players that have meant a lot to me, or, you know, I, I love playing with both of them. So that was cool to get to uh, have like that first meeting style thing and uh, i love the way yeah, both of them play do that once but... right you can only have your first time once so that's really that's kind right. of critical yeah. but uh, uh the cool thing about the way that you know when this music works i think uh is that it doesn't have to be an awkward first you don't have to do chit chat or you know any polite conversation like they just got down to it they didn't step on each other's toes they just kind of worked so awesome together and it's like of course yeah that's that's why you play the music like that is that it leaves a lot of stuff open so you can just get together and relate and uh you know cut through any kind of bullshit or any ego stuff and then you just have hopefully good music uh, yeah you make an interesting conversation out of the ensemble right mm -hmm. yeah. yeah now look at that role you played because you kind of like construct where you set it up right you, you kind of created a situation yeah. 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 It's like, I mean, anytime where you're like, oh, you know, who you, you really got to meet my friend this, you know, like just like in being a, a, an actual human, you know, you're trying to connect all the people who haven't met yet that you think they could do good stuff together. Or they, you know, this outlook will help that outlook or whatever it is. So, yeah, to facilitate that is cool. Um, I, I do enjoy that. I don't want to be a like the whole band leader thing isn't maybe for me, but the, just the idea of getting people to play together for the first time is kind of fun. Well, that's why I said situation creator instead of band leader. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. And, and then, and, and also I like the idea of you getting into like the musical persona. It's not the name game. Cause there's all that jive hype, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's beautiful. Look, we're at the end of the second hour, August 16, 20, 
21 edition Watt for Pedro show. Special guest, Chris Corsano. Hold tight for our three. August 16, 2021. It's the third hour of the Watt for Pedro show.
Watch for Pedro Show. Start off the third hour. Amato, McPhee, Kessler, Corsano. Kessler. <laughs> I'm thinking of some really lame bourbon. <laughs> you know, plastic <laughs> bottles, right? So they don't break when you drop them in the shower. <laughs> Is this John McPhee? I got, I got to meet this Joe man. McPhee. Joe McPhee, that's it. Right, right. Probably the oldest guy in this group right here, right? I got to meet yeah. him once. He's a beautiful man. He was so kind to me. And this is an excerpt called This Is Our Language. Then we had digital images with Subbus. And finally, the Chris Corsano band with unreleased <laughs> track. <laughs> kind of popular name for it, too. But uh, I didn't know there was a Chris Corsano band. Tell me about this. Um, well, the only way that I'd call it that is because I'm the only motherfucker in the band. Uh, so it's me. <laughs> Playing all the you know the bass and the guitar and and the drums. Um, awesome! Like, I, you mean like Dave Grohl, Stevie Wonder, Prince thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know those guys all started their recordings with drums. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's how these mostly go. Yeah. Well, not. I I kind of did. I flipped it around in some ways, but yeah, it's kind of drums is like the foundation is a, is a good way to work when there's pulse you know, involved. And then went on the kind of more out free, whatever you want to call it. I think I started the other way. Uh, so the drums kind of fill, filled in the spaces rather than created the, you know, the framework, but yeah. Yeah. Drums is, is the root that works. When you say pulse, are you Milford Graves? Well, just like, yeah, I guess there's a whole lot of ways to define a pulse. Um, I was thinking more like Tony um, Adams. I mean, Mil Milford is, you know, huge to anybody. But like to me, it was like, yeah, that was a seeing him live, I think, was another break of my brain. So the, the you know, could reform and be better or whatever. Yeah, he's the best, you know. Yeah. Yeah. This, but that was, but oh, like sorry. Elvin, right? He had a problem because he was playing like the ocean. He wasn't so, you know, people wanted metronome, right? And uh, yeah. he's playing more like the ocean where there's like, you know, swells and shit. Mm -hmm. John Coltrane yeah, he wanted had, that, right? A of, and a lot of his, uh, Milford's, you know, or at least the interviews I've checked out, like he does talk about working with people that didn't want what he was doing, you know, which is seems bizarre to me because I've never heard a, a note I didn't love out of Milford. But yeah, I guess uh, everybody's got their path they want. And um you know, the nice thing about having a band where you're the only person in is uh, no one's going to tell me <laughs> how to drum or how to guitar or how to bass or whatever. But, uh, yeah. Now, in your pad, do you have a recording sitch? Uh, yeah, in the basement, kind of like a just a home homemade thing, some mics and stuff. Yeah, yeah, but that's all right. That's all, yeah. was, was this uh, done there? This is our language? Um. Uh, this is our language, the one with uh, Rodrigo. No, no, unreleased track. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, yeah. So I haven't, I haven't gotten it named because it's not out yet. It's, it's maybe doesn't have a home. We'll see. But uh, yeah, it's uh, that yeah. was that was done in the basement. Yeah, well, um, I bring that up because it sounds good to me, man. Oh, cool. Thanks. Yeah, very good. Very fucking good. And uh, maybe it's the same thing. Like you learn drums, uh, learning by doing. Yeah, I, I think you know there was uh, with bass. I got. I bought a bass way back in high school off that guy, Pete Sharma, the, the polymath, who's now the physicist. His little brother had a bass that was he was selling. And so I bought it off of him, 
a phoenix i don't know uh and then i just try to learn minutemen songs so you know can i uh, let me run this by you people say ah bass it's a guitar with four strings what about this idea hey bass it's a drum with four strings absolutely (laughs) better than the idea of the guitar with four strings huh yeah well uh you know cecil taylor right wasn't that the thing of like 88 tune drums, you know, like you, can't, you could look at anything as a percussion instrument. Um, well, remember, and, I think in the swing band days, everybody was in the rhythm section except the fucking horns. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I would say like, a, I've, I've even had that thought, um, like the, the bassist, I, like a Matt Hainer, uh, amazing, amazing bassist, uh, plays in this group, played in this group test. Uh, was in Nonak, but he plays kind of like a drummer you know, a lot of times, even if he's playing, you know, like like a walking line, something about it to me just feels like drummers. And uh, it makes it really fun to relate to. And uh, yeah, a lot of the people I play with somehow have, I'm hearing them as drummers. So yeah, bass is drums with four strings. I, I'll buy it. Okay. okay. <laughs> I mean, the appearance is deceiving. Let's put it that way. But for sure, the yeah. fucking note is in the kick drum and maybe some toms, but it sure ain't in the cymbals and the snare. Okay, uh, uh, open an umbrella indoors. I'm going to play that.
Watch for Pedro Show, last music for this edition. This is Christine Abdonor, Chris Cusano doing opening umbrellas indoors. Dangerous people. Peligro. Then we had part one of three. This project called Tricephalus. I think it's uh, the Hackpicado people in Berlin. Uh, with 191230, it's probably a date, huh? The day before the last day. There's two more parts that I'll play in the next two episodes. Then finally, last music, last tune, Open Hearth from Bakowski Lopez Corsano. Enlighten us, Chris, to this. Uh, that's uh, Steve Bachkowski, who's up in Buffalo, um, plays a bunch of different horns, but Barry tenor sax. And uh, then it's Brandon Lopez, who uh, another Jersey guy originally, um, but uh, uh, he lives in Brooklyn now. Um, and so that was um, just a group that uh, they play together a whole lot Um with uh, Gerald Cleaver, awesome drummer. Um, so that's a more regular trio, but we got together um, a few years back and did that. And before that, with Christine? Um, that was uh, in a recording studio in Berlin. Uh, I've been a huge fan of hers for a long time since seeing her live uh, in 2008. And no one, no one plays like her. Uh, she does all these things to the sax to make it sound like insects or robots or <laughs> whatever, you know. And uh, and it's she's you know autodidact, came up with this all from left field, and it's it's just a whole sound world. So that was uh, me trying to, you know, I, caboose again, I guess, you know, like just <laughs> eat dust and and seeing if I could hang. Um, in her sound world and i i didn't record it but i mixed it so the i'm not good at that but i the thing that you get from that is you hear things over and over and you can kind of put it in slow motion and really see how people work you know or hear how people work and uh to to hear not only does she just make really cool sounds with uh, like the basic thing that i like but then also the way that she anticipates or responds to other people is like there's there's like an intelligence and a, a I don't know sensitivity or something that's that seems superhuman to me that's like well like that thing of you play with people who are kicking your ass and hopefully you can any any catching up will make you a better person I'm hoping so that was like a really uh, special record for me I guess because I I just got my ass handed to me and you know that was good I enjoyed it praying for collateral damage. now look where can people find you on the internet um uh, a pretty as of now defunct website but it's still there it's core-sano.com so c-o-r-s-a-n-o.com and uh you know once touring starts it'll be uh more readily updated but yeah that's that's where i'm at well where you're at right now is busy with making this record right yeah, the, the, that too. Chris Corsano band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, Army of One. But it, no, yeah. but you know, you get to be the shot caller. I mean, literally. I, I, I can't I, wait like, to hear it. I can't wait to hear you, it. If this is like a glimpse of what it's going to be, I, I can't wait to hear it, Chris. 
Oh, wow. Thanks. That's, that's, I, if you told 17 year old me that went and saw that fire hose show that I'd be talking to you now, I, you know, you actually gave me a shirt. We were walking around the back of Irving Plaza and you were hanging out at the van long after, like an hour after the show was like totally over. And like my friends, like Phil and Pete from the band, you know, they walked by, they didn't clock you, but I saw you and I was like, well, I can't, you know, and we stopped and we talked to you and you were, you were so nice. You gave me a shirt, which, you know, is, I, I've cherished ever since. So, um, to a, any, uh, that, that makes me very happy that, that you're even mildly tolerant of my, more uh, than stu- that, when you get done, I would like you to come back on the show and let's play it and talk about it. All right. Okay. Deal. Okay. Big love, brother Chris. People, it's been the August 16, 2021 edition of Wap the Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry.